This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Let's go ahead and get started looking into God's Word this morning. We want to begin, though, with a word of prayer, and then we'll read our passage from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 2 through 7. But within that passage, we're going to be focusing on verse 6. So let's pray together. Most gracious Father, we come to you in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, We thank you for your kindness toward us in him. We thank you that you love us, O God, and that you have called us to study your word together. Lord, we pray that your word would be the balm upon the wounds of this season. Lord, that your word would give us strength and hope and help. And Father, that you would provide us with much encouragement and love. Father, we pray for those families in our community that are grieving the loss of their loved ones. And in this time and in this season, Father, it is difficult to imagine uh, what added stress and pain it may cause. Father, I pray that you would be with those who are sick in our community. Lord, we pray that you would work mightily in their bodies. We ask that it would be your will to heal them. Lord, in the midst of this, we pray that those who are Christians would be reminded of the gospel, their Savior, and find hope in him. And we pray for those who are lost, those who do not know, who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. We ask, O God, that you would use this to bring them to yourself so that they may trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they may love Christ and hold him dear. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' holy name, and amen. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son Is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, that is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God for it. To say that this season of life has been a trying time would be an understatement. To say it has been full of difficult and perilous times would be an understatement as well. Now, right now in our very own community, there are those who are sick. There are families who are grieving the loss of their loved ones. And they are often having to do this alone as we are required to have private funerals. Our nation has not only seen the virus that has caused havoc, but there is also political unrest. Politically speaking, we as churches nationwide are being asked to close our doors while gambling centers and abortion clinics remain open. There are many things that are not right in this world. We would all agree. The question is, what do we do? Some look for ways to cope. Perhaps that's what you have done this year. In the midst of these dark times, we look for something to give us a little light in the darkness. Where do we look? To whom do we look? Now, as we approach a season where we take time to remember the incarnation, the Son of God, the inbreaking of the light of the world, I want us to not forget our great need for Him. See, now we have the tendency in these days to search for anything that might give us a little bit of relief. People are searching for ways to be happy, though their souls are yearning for more. People are experiencing loneliness, yet they are keeping others at arm's length. People are searching for answers, but are content to engage in some kind of mind-numbing activity instead. People are experiencing anxiety, fear, and worry, yet not searching for the answer to it all. We have the tendency to be content with the way the world is, and in the process, we end our search for more. We end our search for a Savior. Now, but the advent of Christ, the incarnation of the Son of God, is set in the context of such deep darkness and conflict, just as we are experiencing now. So what kind of message do you and I need in this season of unrest? We need to know of the one who can deliver us from not only the physical darkness we endure, but even from a darker one yet. See, it's not COVID that you need delivered from. The greatest threat to you is not a disease or a virus. Your greatest threat is having a heart that is darkened with sin and never finding a savior. The problem we face becomes greater when we realize that we've become content in not searching, in not looking. And so that's why we sing songs such as this, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. See, that's when the Savior comes, in the silence, when there is night. But then we have a little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. See, the world is in chaos, yet we sleep. Instead of searching for the answer or the solution, we rest. And so we also finish this last verse from O Little Town. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. 
And so the good news that we hear today is not that a virus dissipates and life can go back to normal. The good news we hear is the news that we need a Savior that we didn't search for has come for us. Now briefly, what kind of Savior is He? Isaiah here in chapter 9 tells us about Him by expressing His titles or His names. Today we consider the one who is Wonderful Counselor. The last Christmas, we actually spoke of the one who is wonderful. And this year, our sense of wonder has been set aside, or at least has had the tendency to change in definition. Rather than a sense of wonder a child may experience on Christmas morn, we have begun to wonder when life will go back to normal. We have begun to wonder what new rule our leaders will issue. We wonder what will happen with this or with that. Our sense of wonder has been compromised. Now, we're not to find a solution in gathering up the Christmas spirit. This teaching is not the plot of your favorite Christmas movie. Instead, we must learn to be moved by the one who is called Wonderful. You can see him as wonderful when you understand the context of Isaiah's prophecy. In chapter 8, Isaiah speaks of the predictions of the sufferings of the people of God. They will look to the earth, he says in Isaiah 8.22. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. It's in this context of darkness that Isaiah's prophecy shifts from darkness to light. In chapter 9, the light comes. We see that in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The sorrow that comes from the suffering of God's people gives way to joy. Notice verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. And the persecution of God's people that they would face gives way to freedom. We see this in verses 4 and 5. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. In verse 5, for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. There is light, there is joy, there is freedom. Where the situation seemed hopeless, there is now great hope. Now, all of this is possible because of a child who would be born and would change the world. He is wonderful. His wonder goes beyond what we could ever think or imagine. That's what this word is getting at. We we can't just say he is wonderful. Because in the same tone, we might say that about a play or a movie. Oh, it was wonderful. Isaiah is teaching us that the one who would come would transcend, would go beyond what we could comprehend. In the Old Testament, this word has a connection with that which is supernatural or miraculous. The miracles of Jesus didn't start with turning water into wine. 
Rather, Charles Wesley penned in a carol, Let earth and heaven combine, Angels and men agree to praise in songs divine, The incarnate deity, our God contracted to a span, Incomprehensibly made man. Our God contracted to a span, Speaking of him as a child, as an infant. Yes, at his birth, what wonder. And he would calm the storm with a word. He would open the eyes of the blind. He would cast the demons out of the possessed. He would raise Lazarus with a word of power. He would die, not for those who were good to him, but for his enemies, to make them the children of God. And that wonder would occur three days later as a light that could not be extinguished. He himself is wonderful. He is beyond our comprehension. Can you explain to me how he is fully God and how he is fully man in one person? Can you explain to me how in the Old Testament to see God is also to die, but in the New Testament to see Jesus Christ is also to see the Father? Can you comprehend the love that would have him lay down his life? He is wonderful. He is wonderful. Now in our text, he is also counselor, wonderful counselor. Kings and leaders and others would seek the counsel, the advice of counselors in order to govern. The decisions that were to be made would often be too difficult for one to conclude on their own. So this is not simply a therapist that we're considering. Israel's kings often sought the counsel of others, and at times they would reject the counsel of those wise. Rehoboam rejected the counsel of his father's advisors and and sought the counsel of his friends who were yes-men, and he saw ruin come. Absalom rejected counsel and saw folly come. And in the context of Isaiah 9, The counsel Ahaz accepted would put God's people into war and to bring on much devastation. So the people of God were not only looking for right counsel, but hoping that their kings would receive the right kind of counsel to end the bloodshed and bring about peace. And so who is this but the wonderful counselor? He is a king who needs no counselors. The kings of Israel were mere men who were flawed, inadequate, and sinners like you and me. But this one who would come is wonderful counselor. He was a king who would need no counsel. He would be wise beyond that of Solomon. He would be void of endangering his people, but would rather save them from their greatest foes. Now, as a moment, we understand that that is not that they would be saved from their physical enemies, that they would be saved from the sword and the spear, because we know that those who follow after Christ will often have to endure hardship and persecution. But the love of God, we will never be separated from. And so we understand this wonderful counselor is he who would be the one who was sinless himself. And so he is a king who needs no counselors. He is also a king you can trust. 
The kings of Israel were not trustworthy, for they often sought counsel that was not trustworthy. They often sought counsel that would benefit themselves rather than the kingdom. And some of them received not the wise counsel, but the counsel of fools. Now in our day, we are searching for those we can trust. It has become apparent that in our world, trust is not something we can assume. We do not trust the media. We do not trust our politicians. We do not trust our healthcare providers. Now, I'm not making a statement about these things that I've listed. There are certainly those who are more trustworthy than they are not. But we can add to this list. We cannot always trust each other. And we cannot always trust ourselves. So who will we trust? Where will we place our trust? Please consider Jesus Christ, wonderful counselor. He is utterly trustworthy. You can trust him. We're not to put our trust in those who are mere men and who are flawed. Rather, we must trust the one who is both God and man. Now let me consider with you this for a moment. Why do we not always trust our elected officials or those in the media? Because they're not one of us. They don't know what it's like to be poor. They don't know what it's like to live like a pauper. They, they can't comprehend what our experience is in eastern Kentucky. They can't fathom the pain and anguish we experience due to shutdowns uh, that have happened not only today, but even in the past with our minds. They haven't had to pinch pennies to make sure there's a roof over the head of their little ones. They haven't had to go hungry so their children can enjoy a meal. They haven't had to watch mom or dad lie on the ground with a needle in the arm passed out. Now, this is not even all of our experiences, is it? But it's true that we often do not trust those who haven't walked in our shoes, who can't understand the struggles we endure. So why is it significant that in the incarnation, when this God is contracted to a span, that there is this one who is both God and man? Well, Jesus is not like those who speak from a distance in fact, he doesn't speak from a distance. He draws near. He understands our pains, our griefs, and our sorrows. He took upon himself the flesh that we try to cover in shame. In Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, it tells us that he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then in verse 15 of chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Well, we don't trust those who do not understand us. But the Bible over and over again tells us that Jesus Christ gets us, that he understands us, that he knows our weaknesses, he knows our longings, he knows our struggles, he knows our hearts. And the amazing thing is, 
he still loves us. And so how do we respond? We trust him. And with confidence, we draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus Christ, wonderful counselor, he knows you. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. Now, throughout history, there have been these seasons of sickness that were sad and caused such widespread death. And even though it feels as if no one understands your torn heart in this, your worried mind in all of this, your depressed state, there is one who does understand, and he is the one who offers counsel. His counsel is perfect. His counsel is from one who has experienced condemnation. His counsel is from one who has received wrath poured out on him. His counsel is from one who is considered cursed and cut off. So if anyone understands, if anyone gets it, it's him. But he is also the one who is truly triumphed. His counsel is enough. He doesn't offer you counsel and hope it works out for you. He is the Savior who saves. You're searching for something to deliver you from this mess, from this misery. And Jesus Christ is the one who is able to deliver. And he will deliver. And so, friends, wherever you are today, whether you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or whether you do not know Him and you have not trusted in Him, please hear Him call to you, O weak and wounded sinner. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I commend to you the one who is wonderful counselor. He is the one who calls out to us to come to him. We are all seeking some sort of counsel, some advice, some, something to hope for, something to help us. Do not cope with all of the troubles in this world by either ignoring them or filling your life with other things that will take your mind off of something that is inevitable. But rather, look to Jesus Christ. Not only is he able to give you counsel, but he is able to change your heart. And he is able to make life new. And so hear him say, come to me. And friend, I tell you to go to Jesus Christ and trust in him. Well, let's pray. Most gracious God, we do thank you and rejoice in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. I thank you for these who have gathered online And Lord, I thank you for your word. 
that is powerful. And Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who is able to save sinners to the uttermost. And so we rejoice in him and we trust in him. And we rejoice, O God, that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and willingly died in our place, who understands all of our struggles, who knows our guilty and sinful and shameful hearts, yet died for us while we were enemies to make us sons and daughters of God. And we rejoice in him, the Lord Jesus. And so we pray this in his name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.